Welcome to the second episode of Biblical Racism. My name is Reverend Riles, and I've had 30 plus years involved in full-time Christian work, churches, ministries, And this is a uh, in-depth look at one of the reasons why we have racism in the church in 2020. Glad to have you here with us. We're going to go deep into the Word of God, take our time and pull apart the Bible verse. Why? Some of that was explained in the first episode, but I want to go back over the three parameters in this episode so we all understand those before we go forward. Number one parameter, the Bible is our absolute authority for faith and practice. We do what God says. The Bible is God's word. So we follow the Bible. Number two, some pastors have been taught wrong about the Bible. And that's where you get a separation of beliefs. The Bible says there is one faith, one Lord, one baptism, and one God. When some preacher departs from the true teaching of the Bible, a cult is formed. Some pastors have been taught that racism is okay. And we're going to go, why is that the case? How can you have racism inside of a Bible-believing Christian church. And I'm going to explain one of the reasons today called the Mark of Cain. Parameter number three, salvation is through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. John 3.16 often called the Bible in one verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the truth of the Word of God. So, If you partake in that life and you become a Christian and you have your home assured for you in heaven, you become God's child. And as God's child, how can you not be thought of as equal to every single other Christian or person in the world? That makes sense. 
but that's for another lesson. So for this lesson, we're going to focus on the mark of Cain. So we're going to go into the word and exegete it a little bit, parse it a little bit, and let you make the decision yourself. I'm going to present the facts. I may make some of my opinion in there, and I'll let you know that this is what I think, and I'll let you know this is what the Bible says, and then let you make the decision on what you should do. Genesis, the first book in the Bible, chapter 4, we're going to go look at verse 8. Um, Genesis is the book of beginnings, the book of firsts. And many times, if you go to the first time that a concept appeared in the Word of God, which most of the time appeared in the book of Genesis, you'll find out God's original intention, God's original thought, God's original desire behind that concept. So let's take a look at Genesis um, chapter 4, starting at verse 8. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother. So you got two brothers, the first progenitors or sons of Adam and Eve, first man, first woman. Cain, the oldest, and Abel, the younger brother. Cain... God had told them to give a sacrifice. Cain was a farmer. And I'm going to go to the backstory here because sometimes people don't know the whole backstory. Cain, as a farmer, offered to God the best of his crop. While Abel offered, he was a rancher, a shepherd. Abel offered a lamb, we assume. Uh, as a sacrifice, which God accepted, Abel's offering rejected Cain's. Cain was upset, jealous. And in verse 8, it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. So here you have the first murderer, the first murder and the first murderer. And the Lord said unto Cain, where is Abel thy brother? Now, the words of the word of God, the English Bible, are amazing. Because here, God, we know God knows where Abel's at. Because we know the attributes of God. We know God is all-knowing. But sometimes God will ask a question already knowing what the answer is. But he asked that question for various reasons. One of them is to see if you know that he knows. But that's that's another story too. Like I, that's just, this is just so good. The Bible, the Word of God is so good. There's so many things I could bring out of this passage and get involved in, but that's not the point of this episode here. And he said, Cain said to, to God, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? So he knew. So he lied to God. Verse 10, and he said, what hast thou done? God knew what he did. 
the voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. So Abel's blood called out and spoke to God from the ground, which lets us know that the blood speaks. Amen? Amen. That's another message. And now art thou cursed from the earth. Okay, so now we find out what the Bible says that Cain was cursed from the earth. Cain was a farmer. The earth was his livelihood, was his sole purpose, was his job, his thing. And God said, I'm going to curse that thing, what was the main source of blessing or income to you or benefit to you, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. Verse 12, when thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. Wait a minute. That was a curse on Cain. So if that was a curse on Cain, why do we find fallow ground today? All of us, red, yellow, black, and white, doesn't matter. If any of us go farming, we're going to have a rough patch of ground that we have to till, that we have to mow, that we have to put furrows through just to get that. And sometimes we have to add nutrients to that just to get that ground to grow fruits and vegetables that we need. That's something interesting. You know, it's a curse upon Cain. It seems that we're all taking part in that curse. Hello? Think about that. So when thou tillest the ground, shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. Here's another part. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. So you're not going to have any permanent place of residence, but you'll always be running. And you always be on the run. You'll be on the go. So he's not going to have, even though if he has time to stop, maybe for a few months and in the sweat of his brow, break the fallow ground and plant some crops that he may live and survive. Okay. He's still going to have to leave there eventually. He can't stay there and keep that one place. He's got to go. So because of that, Cain thought that was too severe. So Cain said unto the Lord, verse 13, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth. Okay, we knew that. And from thy face shall I be hid. So it seems like Cain is knowing he's going away from God. And God, of course, is knowing that Cain is going away from him. That's sad. And I shall be a fugitive, right? God said that, and a vagabond in the earth. Yes, God said that. And it shall come to pass, Cain says, that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. So Cain said, look, when people find me, I'm going to be in trouble because they're going to kill me. And my thought here is, once again, it's not here in a passage, but it's my thought that Cain would become sport, that 
servants of God, people that are going to prove themselves before God this way, may think, boy, if I can find Cain and kill him, I'm going to do God a favor. So let's let's go out there and let's find Cain. So Cain thinking about this, boy, I'm going to be a fugitive. Everybody's coming after me. And even though we have the concept here that we just have, we just see Cain and Abel, two men in Adam and Eve. By the time Cain and Abel grew up, there was plenty of more people on the earth um, by Seth. Uh, and of course, Cain, Abel, if Abel was married, not sure he was, wasn't. Um, Cain, of course, later got married, married their uh, sisters back then. Without. So there have been many more children um, here on the earth. So Cain is saying somebody's going to take and find, and I'm going to be, I'm going to be a sport. I'm going to be the hunted. And it seems like, and I don't know why God did this. It seems like God gave a reprieve to Cain. God gave him a blessing in the midst of his curse. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken upon him sevenfold. So God said, I'm going to pass this thing here to help you out because everybody's going to be coming after you. I'm going to let them know that they can't come after you because if they kill you sevenfold times, I don't know what sevenfold worse of death is going to happen. It's going to happen to their household. That's interesting. And because of this, because of God's reprieve to Cain, and the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. So that changes the whole idea of what we've been taught, and even what's taught in many of our Christian Bible colleges, and many of our pastors have learned. They say the mark of Cain made him black. But what God says here, it seems like the mark of the place upon Cain was not part of the curse, but was part of the blessing or reprieve of the curse. So that people would see Cain and see that mark on him and say, oh, don't mess with him, that's Cain. So that's why people have thought, because you had to have, be able to, in this one supposition, that far away you see that man coming that this direction and, ooh, he's got the mark, it's Cain. Was that marked the fact that it was made that it was black? The Bible does not say for sure. We do not know for sure. But yet it's taught as doctrine in some of our Christian circles. That that's what it was. I got a friend of mine named Marie, and she's in my Zoom cast, if you ever catch that on Facebook. And she said to me, well, how do we know the mark made him black? Why black? That's a good question. How do we know the mark didn't make him white, that he wasn't black in the first place? Or how do we know the mark didn't make him red? Because he was yellow in the first place. We don't know any of these things. There's only two people that were there, and that was God and Cain. And the people that lived then, if they saw Cain. But the only other reference to Cain after this comes in the New Testament 
they talk about the way of Cain, and that's a negative reference to Cain, indicating he probably did not come back to God and probably died and went to a Christless hell instead of going to heaven. Don't know that for sure, but the Bible seems to indicate that. And that was called the way of Cain, and that was different from Abel's way, which was, or Seth's way, which was trusting in the sacrifice that God said to do, provide, provided. And the way of Cain means trusting in your own way, humanism, um, going the human way instead of going God's way, which was negative. Okay, so we don't know exactly what that mark was. So how can we teach this for doctrine? But you understand how that sets things up, where I can be a pastor, went to a Christian college, a Bible college in America, and came out pastoring. And when I ever approach black people on the street or in my ministering or getting people to come to my church or reaching the gospel out to my community, if I come across black people and I have this in my mind, I'm going to shy away. I'm going to stay away. I'm going to say, oh, I even have a pastor friend of mine that said that he knows of churches where uh, 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 Vanda's friend he knows of churches where black people cannot get baptized in that church. Not allowed. Did it come from the Mark of Cain? Possibly. This is one of the things that are taught. The more popular one, which we'll get into later, is uh, the curse of Ham and the curse of Canaan. But we'll get into that one at another episode. Okay, so let's go and do our big word exegesis. Impressed, aren't you? Hey, I know that what those big words are. I impressed you, didn't I? Let's go there and pull out from this passage what God has in here and examine it. Okay? The original language is Hebrew and Greek. Hebrew for the Old Testament, Greek for the New Testament. So some people like to study the original language, um, bringing out more ideas from the passage that sometimes can't ordinarily be seen by looking at the English. And I understand that. I don't, I'm, I'm, I studied it. I studied Hebrew and Greek, uh, more of a Greek person than Hebrew, but um, I don't use it that much. Um, and I never use any of the ancient languages to correct the modern English language, I mean, the English language that we, we have right now. The, our, the, we had the word of God in English. It was intended for us English-speaking people. Um, and the translators who translated the word from Hebrew and Greek into English were far more uh, intelligent than I am or anybody else that I know on a live on earth today, uh, the intelligence of the translators. So I tend to stay right along with the English, but I'm going to use a Hebrew here uh, to bring out a point. It says in verse 15, And the Lord said unto him, Therefore whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold, and the Lord set a mark upon Cain 
lest any finding him should kill him. I want to look at that word mark, a mark. What is that word in Hebrew? What is a Hebrew word? Are you ready for this? Sit back here. Okay, I'm going to give you the Hebrew word here. The Hebrew word is pronounced oath. Isn't that interesting? So it seems to say, once again, it seems to, once again, we were not back here. The only two people that were here were God and Cain. And there's not a lot of detail given about the life of Cain or Abel or Seth. So we can only take what is given to us. The rest is supposition, speculation. So oath, that oath has an idea that this was not a demerit mark. Some people, in, like if in your school, we receive a demerit mark for doing wrong. But this was a indication mark or a mark of position. It was an agreement between God and Cain that this mark symbolized. That Hebrew word oath is also used as sign in the Bible. The sign of circumcision is also said to be oath. So once again, even though, yes, Cain was a bad man and he had a lot of negative and he was cursed, it seems like the mark that was put upon him was not really part of the curse. It could have been the fact that he was made black. We don't know. And the Bible does not bring it out nor say it. Definitely. So we can't teach that as Bible doctrine, as Bible truth. And through the exegesis of this passage and going into the Hebrew studies, we find out that that mark upon him uh, seems like it was not part of that curse. It was not part of the negative. So if Cain was made black by the mark and the mark was not actually a negative, it should have been a positive. But who's going to teach that, right? Um, so Cain should have been proud. Hey, hey, look, I got the mark. Don't touch me. You can't kill me. But I'm not even saying that. It was just thought there. That that's actually what happened. Okay, so now we have this mark on Cain. We do not know what the mark was. Nobody knows, except for God and Cain or the people that saw Cain back then, Adam and Eve, uh, Seth, uh, may have known back then. And Cain has his whole line, his whole, whole uh, children that came from him. And that can be another lesson. We can talk about the children of Cain following the way of Cain, which is a bad thing. Oh, let me let me finish that passage here. Let me finish that passage. I stopped there at the mark of Cain. 
this you want to you want you want you want to hear this. This is this is good. And verse sixteen, finishing this this lesson up here. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. There it is again. There's the idea. We don't know for sure because the Bible doesn't say for sure, but we're getting hints and ideas from the Bible that Cain left the Lord and didn't come back to him and therefore died and they went into eternity without the Lord. We get hints from that, from the word of God. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Okay, so what a tragic life. What a tragic story. The mark of Cain. The mark of Cain, we know the facts from the word of God. We don't know exactly what it was. I remember watching one movie a long time ago on the Bible, and they had the Cain and Abel, and the mark of Cain that was placed upon him was the tree of the good, good and evil that Adam and Eve had taken of they weren't supposed to, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that was a tattoo. I have a friend, um, Irwin, he's also on the Zoom cast. He says it's a mark. Well, a mark is a mark. It's like a tattoo. It's not really a whole skin color which is also a good, very good thought, too, as well. Um, regardless of what the mark was, there is no indication that that mark was a fact that Cain was white and now he was made black and therefore cursed. So now you have a whole group in Christianity uh, that call themselves Christians, that have churches that serve the Lord and talk about the love of God, but yet when it comes to black people, they shy away because of a misinterpretation of passages like this. And you think, well, how did that happen? How did this get into Christianity, into our Bible colleges, into our um, seminaries? How did this even get into America in the first place? That's another episode, but just give you a hint. It came up, usually came about around Darwinism, which is humanism, uh, which once again has a lot of racism in it. Uh, so where did racism come from in the first place? We can talk about that uh, as well. But um, here it is, our second episode on biblical racism, the mark of Cain. I just want to take time and cover it thoroughly, uh, longer than I had time in, in the podcast. Be looking for other podcasts on this same theme, on the same issue, and also be looking for other Zoom casts on uh, the Facebook site there um, that we'll, we'll, we'll talk it over with friends. I, I plan to bring pastors on, white and black, um, pastors have come talk about this issue because of the race riots today, because of Black Lives Matter, because of George Floyd being killed by a police officer, because of a, a black police officer uh, being killed to stop people from rioting, and he was killed, didn't have to be. Uh, because of all these things and pastors coming and saying, hey, 
where are where's the church? Where's the church with all with the world and the race riots and in such an upheaval and such dissent and division? Where's the church of the living God? Where where's that where's that at? And some people say, well, the problem with the church is there's racism in the church. There is some people like there is or that how well, so we want to address that. Uh, we want to have God do what God wants to do. And I have no idea where this is going. I just felt led the Lord, led the Holy Spirit to put these out there because I'm not hearing great teaching on this anywhere. I've heard best sermons on, on racism, but I'm not, hearing, not, not hearing in-depth teaching from the Word of God on racism in the Bible. So this is Reverend Riles signing out for this episode. And all God's people said... <laughs>